Welcome back to another episode of the Shifting Podcast. I'm Edward Assel, and I'm still here in Singapore, and very lucky today to have a very special guest, um, Vijay Mudalir from Native Man. And so I just visited this place a couple nights ago for the first time, and man, I'm glad. So, I mean, aside from accolades, you know, like what, number four in the top 50 bars in Asia, that's a pretty cool accolade. Yeah, that was, uh, it's, it's, uh, we're very grateful for the community support and where we've come so far. And uh, as you can see, you know, we're, we're a tiny bar, nice and cozy. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but aren't you, well, there would only be three spaces above you, but the like, number one bar is also a Singapore bar. But this is the only locally owned bar in, that actually, like on that list, or yeah, at least in, the highest one. Yeah, I think in Singapore, yeah, we're the only owned uh, locally bar. Yeah, that's pretty cool, man. Yeah, because yeah. you worked really hard at it. So that was why I was really floored when I came in here because it reminded me a lot of one of my favorite bars in Washington, D.C., mm-hmm. um, and you're just taking it to the next level. How did you get into this business? And because what you're doing here is far above and beyond what I think most people would accomplish in their lives. Yeah. <laughs> so. so I've been doing this for 12 years now. I started straight out of the bed, uh, 18, kid. Uh, in school, looking for spare cash. Uh, friend and how old are you now? I'm 30. Okay, wow. So a, a friend uh, was working in the club and one of the guys did a show and he called me and he's like, hey, you, you want to work in a bar? I'm like, sure, when? He's like, now. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Turned up and uh, 12 years has just like zoomed by like really quickly. Yeah, it does, as it, yeah. as it tends to. But So how old is the bar here at Native? So the bar is, uh, it's going to be three years old. That's in, it? In December, yeah. Yeah, it's come. And I, I usually would like to spend a lot more time, you know, talking about the career um, and your trajectory in that mm. career. But I was so blown away by the program that you that you're operating here because mm. it's not just about cocktails. Like mm. I don't know if I've ever been in a bar that's more sustainable. And yeah. uh, you know, that's the word that everybody uses now. But yeah. this is beyond sustainable. This is absolutely beyond sustainable. Yeah. Um, I guess give me your philosophy on that and how you tried to initially integrate that or you know when you were creating the concept of opening your own place okay so with with us i like like you mentioned you know the word sustainability get thrown around a lot now and a lot of it's not actually sustainable and and even for us you know and i think as a as a human race we're struggling with with the idea of sustainability so we throw it out the window and we make it a bit healthier for the team and we just call it like responsible bartending because mm-hmm. I believe we're doing a lot of great things but we've still got things to, to work on you know so when we first started um, the whole idea was just creating a, a healthier sort of environment for the guys you know we didn't want them to be lugging like trash bags all over the place sure and and the main question is like okay why do we even have trash in the first place you know where I guess over here we ask a lot of why's like why is there trash? Why are we not using this ingredient even more? So we started by weighing out our trash every night. Really? Yeah, just as a just as a habit. And then on a busy Friday, like the whole venue will have like 700 grams. And we're like, oh, you know, that's good. That's still good. And then we'll open it up and then we'll find things like citrus, citrus peels, eggshells, and, and things that shouldn't have even been in the bin in the first place. But when you have a dark bin with a side with the with a smaller entry and a mm-hmm. black bin bag, you know, it's so easy for people to just throw it and not think about what's in there. Right. So it's like, 
we started every night just looking into the trash and like, okay, how can we use this product further? Can we dehydrate into like uh, a powder for our spices? Could we use this as a second run for our mocktails? You know, could we make this into gel, jellies? You know, we are, we are in a creative industry. Like, why don't we try to look at things in a, in a different angle? And that sort of reduced from 700 to 500 to 300. And then we're like, okay, now we've got it's just entirely like food waste, you know, we've tried our best. Why don't we start a compost? And then after we started a, a compost, you know, there was not much trash left in the bin. And we're like, okay, why are we, why even, why are we even setting up trash bags every day? Wow. Let's just take it out. And then now we just have like a small little box. And we used to have a huge like trash bin. Mm -hmm. And then we're like, we don't even need this trash bin. So we got like just a small little container below. Wow. And then we weigh it out every day and uh, it's below 50 grams. Below 50 grams yeah. of waste that leaves this place every night. Yeah. So like we... And this, this place gets quite busy. I'm going to say it or not, it was yeah. full. That was on a Monday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, we had a pretty good Monday and weekends are generally really full. So obviously we do recycling as well, glass recycling and um, whatever plastics that can be recycled. But over the last three years, you know, working with like local farmers, you know, we've, we've put quite a, a firm stand on like, every time we order it, like no plastics, you know? Mm -hmm. So now they just bring like huge boxes with ingredients, leave them here. And then we've got little boxes where we pack everything and then put it into the fridge. So they, they don't bring in any plastics. The, the only small thing is no matter how hard we try, there's some form of plastic that comes in. Like for example, your bottles and when it's new, there's that little plastic wrap on top. Oh, right, yeah. So like, uh, I think as an industry, it's, it's not just us, but everybody has to, to sort of work together and the spirit distributors have to find ways to, to get booze to bars without just getting bottles in mm. and or maybe finding like a close-up circles or coming back to collect those bottles, refilling it and then sending back to the bar. So I think there's a lot of ways that we can work together and working with the local distillers helps yeah, a lot. That's what I'm going to ask about because you not only are sustainable, yeah, it, yeah. it goes beyond to that next level where yeah. you're working almost exclusively with people just here on the, in the city. Yeah. Uh, and so you, I mean, if not, then at least the region. Yeah. So I think we're, we're quite lucky in the sense that um, uh, you know, that, that there's been a nice community growing. So we're about three years old and the whole idea behind Native is like working with local and regional produce. So everything's like Singapore spirits, you know, Indian whiskies, Arabs from Sri Lanka, Indonesia. There was the whole idea to work closer to the location and sort of be a platform for smaller craftsmen and spirit categories that have not normally been heard of, you know. So when we first opened, there was no Singapore distillery anything. So we, we just started off using more of the regional produce. And in the last three years, we've got three distilleries, seven expressions, we've got a meadery, we've got tons of craft brewers coming up. And you know, all of these people are young, they've got a good attitude and they see eye to eye with where we're coming from. And we're like, hey guys, you know, we don't want to recycle these glass bottles. Every time we recycle it and we don't pass it back to you, you are losing like one to two dollars on packaging and you're already not making a lot of money as a small distillery, <laughs> right. take it back. And they're like, okay, we'll do it. And it's like, oh, it's very difficult to wash, take out the label and relabel it. Like, we'll do the sanitization for you, just come and collect the, wow. the bottles. So that's helped like reduce the recycling by half. 
and then obviously we still have things like like tonic bottles that, that go to recycling so this year's like can we make our own tonics and then we can slowly reduce that recycling effort so now, how much have you seen that grown that as far as accessibility for spirits in the region because like i said mm-hmm. you know you, you you introduced me to a lot of spirits i yeah. have not seen i mean i i a huge fan of rock. Yeah, yeah. I had not seen one not from Indonesia. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, and it yeah. was, I had a really beautiful one, an expression of one from Sri Lanka the other day. Yeah, so like, I think um, we've, we've seen the, the region spirits grow a lot because uh, obviously, you know, um, there's, there's a lot of uh, either like passed down family history. So the Arak, for example, from Sri Lanka has been passed down from grandfather to son to son and the younger generation is trying to spread this word across the world. And then there's also, in places like Singapore, a lot of young home brewers, sort of this home distillers coming up. It's like, okay, maybe it's time to open up a distillery and, and, and do, do something different. So in the last three years, it's, on, it's been on an accelerated scale. And you know, we get rums from Phuket, like agriculture styles, like just top quality, using um, native strains of sugarcane from Thailand. Um, you get Cambodian rum using all organic uh, molasses from the country itself as well. And uh, it's going to be really exciting to, to see what happens because, you know, we've got the most amount of sugarcane in, in Asia. Yeah. So, yeah. And it comes from here naturally. So it just makes sense that to see more rums popping up. I'm very excited about that. Everybody yeah. listens to the show knows I'm a big rum geek and, and yeah. I'm real excited about some of the rums coming from Thailand, like Cholong Bay and Isan. And yeah, you're right. I mean, it makes sense, right? It's, it comes from here. Right? You know, it was first cultivated yeah. in this part of the world, but then, it, you know, somehow it made its way to, to Spain. Yeah, and, um, and still, you know, like Philippines, India, they're still the largest mm-hmm. consuming rum countries in the world. Yeah. It's just, it's just about time before this sort of shifts towards craft you know, then then the sort of mass market rums that's being produced. Do you think that's the product of um, kind of people always finding the exotic and what they don't have? Or, you know, what's made elsewhere? I, I mm. find that everybody always wants that thing that's not, uh, you know, so familiar. You yeah. know, like, oh, we, we love to drink scotch because it's yeah. from Scotland, you yeah. know? And, and you oftentimes don't give the value to the things uh, that are made locally. I know, yeah. you know, from Thailand, um, my wife's Thai, and so we, you know, for a long time when we would visit, I would, yeah. I would just drink Sang Som, and everybody else wanted to drink Johnny Walker, and they yeah. thought I was crazy because I was drinking the cheap yeah, stuff. Yeah. Right? And it's like, but you make this. This is yeah. domestic. Like, yeah. shouldn't you be proud of this? Yeah. You know. And now with the agricultural style, yeah, that's that's really really impressive to to have the terroir of a totally different yeah. area that I'm not familiar with. That's true. I I think, I think bartenders have a huge part to play in this. You know, in the last four or five years with the cocktail revolution. Uh, there's been a lot of traveling bartenders, obviously moving to Asia, and um, a lot of people from Asia have been traveling a lot around the world. So there's this idea and connection and a bit more education, and there's a bit more transparency in the industry as well, um, especially with customers. They want to know where the ingredients from, who's making it, is it certified organic? You know, there's a demand from the customers as well. So. It helps that when people travel and then they try something from that location to have a sense of idea, place, taste. Uh, I think that's what the new consumers and the 
and the industry is moving towards as well. It's funny that you say that because I, I, we talked about it on a, on a uh, different episode about how many visiting bartenders particularly come through Singapore. But yeah. So with this place, especially now with the accolades that you've received, like, do you see that starting your ideals, you know, uh, uh, yeah. and, and philosophy on sustainability starting to spread to, and, and people taking things home? I mean, you know, West, I mean, trash ticky well everywhere. Yeah. You know, it's kind of really mm. become a thing and, and has gone around and taught everyone yeah. how to reuse. And yep. so that we're not really, because I'm in the ticky business, you know, and yeah. it's insane how much waste we produce <laughs> yeah. at the end of the night, you know, yeah. with, especially with garnish. Mm -mm. And so, uh, you know, are, do you see some of those techniques being taken back home? Um, I, I, I know that we will be doing some of this yeah. uh, because as, as I visited here, I'm like, oh, why didn't I think of that? You yeah. know, I mean, that's, yep. it just, it makes sense. Yep. But now, now I know why. I, <laughs> We haven't been weighing and studying my trash at the yeah. end of the night. <laughs> I think um, there's, there's two parts to it. Just like, it's nice as a team to challenge yourself creatively. And everything that we do here from the start, you know, has this like um, circle of restrictions. You know, we, we don't have like Amaro's. We don't have, uh, you know, like traditional stuff that other bars have. So we have to think of flavors in different mm. ways, you know. if. If I want a, a bitter, you know, maybe I, I would add like uh, citrus waste and make an infusion from it instead of just reaching out to something that's very, very rarely available. So that helps the team creatively as well. Like, you know, we don't use much citrus at all at the bar. So we use acidity in different manners. We got vinegars, we got kombuchas, we use yogurt whey, we've used ants for acidity in one of our cocktails as well. And it challenges us like creatively. And another aspect is like when, when you actually start doing things like a compost, your mind starts to think like, hey, you know, this has been done so many, for so many years, so long before us. Right. And, and the compost that we use is not even like a high-tech method. It's almost primitive. Get a huge uh, box, drill some holes for ventilation, put some food waste, add coffee grains, and add leaves to neutralize the nitrogen effect, you know? So it's like, you start to think like, hey, you know, we should have been doing this all along and we shouldn't have strayed to that sort of convenient way of like getting someone to deal with our trash, getting someone to deal with things that we don't have to see, that means we don't have to deal with it, you know? Yeah, so it's funny that you mentioned that compost because uh, as you, you gave me a, a kind of a quick tour of the place and, and it's not a huge place, you know, yeah. this is not a, a, a 6,000 square foot place, you know, you've got a, a very small bar. Mm -hmm. It reminds me a lot of, uh, um, a previous guest of the show, it, um, Chris Sanfranca in Washington, D.C., okay. because you talked about the creativity of your bartenders, and he uses uh, almost exclusively Middle Eastern ingredients. He's, okay. he's uh, uh, Iraqi Lebanese, so okay. um, he's getting Iraqi citrus. It's the complete opposite of, 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 of native, <laughs> yeah. uh, but it's native to where he grew up. And so, but again, the there was not like the standard build of yeah. cocktails, right? It's mm -hmm. just like, well, what works? Mm -hmm. What makes this thing taste right? But anyhow, getting back to the to the, uh, the composting, um, you are adding your like to fertilize or add fertilization to that compost yeah. um, oyster shells. Which yeah. so I had a drink the other night yeah. that that, um, that had oysters, and I'll let you talk about that here in a sec. But yeah. I mean, you were like you're even literally like even shell something so like. Um, Biological, you know, yeah. it's still that's still being taken care of yeah, um, yeah. In, a, in a very particular way. Yeah. So um, uh, we might as well talk about the drink now. You yeah. know, you know, so yeah. uh, because so we're almost in like what I would consider a, a test lab area of your place. So 
which is where I think that you're really taking it to the next level. Level. It's not only, uh, you know, hey, check out these new cool things we're doing, and we're only, you know, sticking with native ingredients mm-hmm. and keeping it sustainable. But you're constantly playing and seeing what how how far you can push the edge and move the goalposts. I think you yeah. I think you've moved it quite far because. Um, I tasted some um, distillations from you the other day yep. that I, I, it just kind of blew my mind. Um, so you've got Rotovap mm-hmm. and you're distilling everything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. So I had oyster distillate. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a crazy one. So we get some locally farmed oysters, but I guess we wanted to sort of tie that drink down with like tradition or culture or location. And I guess uh, growing up in Singapore, we don't normally have like oysters fresh we have in like an oyster omelette mm-hmm. so it's like okay why don't we make a drink based on this dish so we have like oyster distillate you know we have some palm sugar kampo pepper rice wine and um, what we do with the eggs is we cure it in miso mm-hmm. and then we do a foam out of it so we use the entire eggs in there as well and then the shells we had a lot of shells from shucking the oysters so we're like okay what do we do with this so there's three things that we actually do with it one is we blend it back into the ceramic. So we work with the ceramic maker and then she blends it into a fine powder and she she just sort of forms the ceramic cups with that. And then the other half... Yeah, that was insane. Like yeah. When it was served to me and realizing it was being served and the shells yeah. that, that had it just come out of, that was, yeah. it was very wild. Yeah, so it, it's all about like connecting to the customer's base on the ingredient. So that's what we try to do and the leftover shells you know they're super rich in like calcium we burn it in a in a ceramic oven at 1200 degrees and that becomes a super fine powder and then we add it to the compost and it's a super food and then after that we start growing like these microgreens on the compost and it goes back into the drink so it's like oyster full circle yeah it really is the full circle yeah, and, you know, yeah. talk about some of your other uh, distillates that you've done through mm-hmm. here because I tasted a uh, Longan yeah. uh, distillate the other night mm-hmm. and um, it, it reminded me of an Eau de Vie I had in Alsace a couple of years ago mm-hmm. where if I, if I had been blind tasted on it mm-hmm. um, I would have thought that it was rum agricole yeah. um, and it was I mean it was a fruit Eau de Vie yeah. and I was really floored by that and that, and that Longan was very earthy yeah. um, kind of tar asphalt I, yeah. I mean I would have probably pegged it from mezcal yeah you know and yeah. it was really at least agave based it was yeah. it's pretty wild so I mean what are some of the some of the kind of distillations that you've been doing that really exciting you so we get like a neutral grain spirit and then we do some distillates like the smoked longan is really cool because it's actually smoked with the branches of the longan and then the longan is dried oh, wow. and then it's distilled so it brings over the, the the smokiness but it's quite interesting when no, normally when we distill fruits we don't really get too much of a flavor right it's mostly water content and sugar mm-hmm. but with the smoked longan the longan came true and the smoke came true and uh, I think we're just we're just always putting weird stuff in the in the road of app and see what comes out. Uh, half of it fails pretty badly. Sure. <laughs> you know, we had this uh, foraged herb that you know this little leaf that sort of tastes like fish, and then we distilled it, and it literally tastes like fish sauce. And we're like, okay, I don't think anybody is gonna <laughs> want to. Have- <laughs> I don't know, man. That could be pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and like just yesterday we, we had one of our friends like forage this leaf. We're, we're not really able to identify it yet, but we've got the, the scientific name and it just smells like perfume, like ylang ylang. So we distilled it and it came out really fresh. 
and bright and uh, I want to share that with you later on. So as you're adding these um, or, or doing these distillations, there is, I mean, obviously regulation-wise you're fine to be able to do that. Yeah, because we get uh, a neutral grain spirit that's paid on Texas on, right. on, on the spirit, so we're sort of just... Uh, using vacuum to add flavors mm -hmm. to, to the existing spirit. So it's almost like okay. some of the uh, like super high ester distillations coming from Jamaica, adding it back in as, yeah. as a flavor, as yeah. it's often done with, I know like, uh, again, listeners of the show are gonna need, know the DOK mark coming from Hamden Estate. Yeah. There's been a few that have been released by, but it was, it was really used as, as uh, a way to put really intensely flavored rum and put it into like a neutral grain spirit yep. or a neutral, neutral cane spirit in yep. that particular case. So, um, so that's great. You're really able to get like intense flavor out of yeah. that. I'm really shocked that, 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 that your Rotovap still still, still, still functioning. Yeah. All the work that you put it through. Yeah, so we do like really, like when you mentioned like really intense distillates and then we just add it like, like a few ml to the existing uh, cocktail with existing spirits and and it comes out really well, so. And that also, I, I presume, gives you some level of uh, consistency as well mm -hmm. to, to yeah. the product. So that way, if you have to batch to batch, it's a little bit different. You can yeah. kind of make adjustments. So you're right, actually. The main reason why we got it, because when we first started, we were getting all these ingredients that we were working with in the region. And there was a lot of interesting flavors, but a lot of it was very little. Mm -hmm. So we're like, okay, how do we stretch it out and how do we keep these flavors beyond the seasons? And that's how the whole idea of the Rotovac came up because we were getting some single origin um, coffee beans from uh, India and Indonesia. And as we know, you know, coffee oxidizes. But if I sure. distill it, you know, then I have a spirit that lasts me like four to six months without losing any flavors or without changing its sort of uh, original form. And then like Buddha's palm, for example, we do a gin with Buddha's palm and that fruits once a year. So we buy tons of it, and then we, we try to, to see how long it can uh, last us. Well, I think one of the most interesting parts for me is the way that all of these aspects are tied together. So, I mean, you know, where it comes, it, it, any one of these pieces would be an awful lot of work yeah. for, for a small team like you have. Yeah. Um, and, but integrating all of these things at the same time while you, you know, you're kind of doing these very modernist techniques of, of you know, distilling, whatever you can get your hands on and failing in some experience or, or, or experiment and then kind of resetting the button. Um, but in addition to making sure that you're growing your own microgreens and compost that you've yeah. created from all these. So I can, I mean, and, and you don't have a large team here. Yeah. yeah? I mean, yeah. how many people do you have totally working at Native? So including me, we've got like five, um, five. full-timers. So we started with three and then four and then five. And then now we've got a couple of part-timers that, that help in once a while. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, well, I joked with you the other night, and I said, this is, this is exactly how you end up on, on a 50 best bars list, but it's not, it's not the way to retire, that's for yeah, sure. <laughs> for sure. So if I'm not traveling, I'm at the bar every day for the, for the last three years. So uh, yeah, like you mentioned, you know, um, owning a bar, it's a, it's a whole, I, it's a whole new ball game. And you've taken it up that other extra notch. I'm exhausted doing what we do, and <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I'm not digging through the trash every night and weighing that. And so, but I can only, we talked a little bit about earlier that you travel a lot. Mm -hmm. Now, when you're traveling, are you traveling for these reasons to kind of spread the gospel of like how to make your own bar sustainable? Or is there any sort of program you've created to help to show other bar owners and, and bartenders what you do and how they can implement those techniques? I think when we when we travel, usually it's more like a sharing session. So okay. we pass down like what we know and we learn everywhere we go. 
Um, and we've been sharing about this composting and, and uh, trying to be responsible in bartending, just like some simple things that could have been implemented. But um, I guess it's always reluctance for people who have been so uh, convenient to just, you know, work in a certain way and, and insert something new. So we're going to be traveling a bit more second, uh, second half of the year. So what we're going to do is we're going to help implement like small little compost boxes so that people know how to, to use it and like at the end of our shift, actually show them how it's done and hope that they continue and sort of bring it forward. Yeah, I could totally see like a, a program, a native program yeah. coming out because it, it is really great that just this multi-pronged approach to mm. like representing who you are. And, and we did, we talked with uh, Ronan uh, on a previous episode yeah, about, um, you know, I, Singapore and the, the bar scene having its own identity and mm. not trying to, you know, emulate what was happening in New York or London yeah. or Australia. And I don't think that that's exemplified anywhere more than here. Yep. Um, because you were literally, you may be getting products from a couple other countries, but again, you know, for our, our American listeners, I mean, you know, the United States is huge. Here, a couple hour flight will get you into, you know, 14, 15 different countries. So, yeah, like, yeah. I mean, when you're talking native, I mean, it does not take a lot of work to get, you know, yep, yep. a ton of product um, and a, a wide variety of cultures mm -hmm. and ingredients. And I'm very, I'm very jealous of that. You know, yeah. it's great that you guys can travel in that way, but just also, um, just kind of even the microclimates in, in mm. every in every country, like the kind of fur that you get. And yeah. The, yeah, you, the, yeah. I'm just, uh, you know, I I walked in and I was immediately a fan of everything <laughs> you were doing because I Thanks thought that it, on top of the, that, it's not only being done mm -mm. for the sake of saying, hey, we're native. Like yeah, it, yeah. this is all Singapore. Yeah. It's um, it all comes across to the customer as yeah. quite delicious. I mean, yeah. the cocktails are next level. And on top of that, you know, you're you're still representing Singapore, and yeah. so, I mean, as as you're working within the industry, have you seen um, more interest in in the spirits that you're using? Um, that because yeah. you, you, you're exclusively using spirits yeah. from the region. Yeah, has that increased the market for other bars to to be able to pick up? I think definitely it's increased the market, and uh, people are starting to see. Like when we first started the bar about three years ago, people would come in and the idea of having a, a regional spirit uh, from Singapore or Thailand uh, would be considered moonshine, you know? And sure. like, we're trying to trick them off a bug, you know? <laughs> and then now it's changed to people come in and it feels natural, like, oh, you know, there are craft brewers from this part of the world and we should pay the price that we're paying for other spirits. So uh, in just a quick amount of three years, I think um, being a platform for, for these distillers, we, we hope that we've done a bit more difference to, to the community. I mean, it should feed itself because the more you support local producers, the more they want to produce and yep. they might spring up some new ones, mm -hmm. you know, and we found that at home with, you know, craft brewers, yeah. I mean, the craft brew scene and my it's, part yeah, of the country crazy. is insane. Yep. I, every year, I think there's 40 new breweries. It's, <laughs> it's, it's insane. And we're in a very small market for yep. us to have, I, I don't know how sustainable it is. <laughs> One of these days is going to be a breaking point, but because of that reason, you know, and you're on an island. I mean, it's a city state. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, I, I find oftentimes when I visit islands like in the Caribbean, um, it's, everyone's a little bit more thoughtful of where mm. you live because mm. you, you can't have landfills when yeah. you only have so much land. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so what you're doing 
I, I would love to see you know a program like this and and <laughs> you know train the people in the states. I mean, yeah. this is trash tiki taken like up several notches. And the um, I mean, so the first thing that you notice when you come up the stairs at, at Native is like you've got a big mural painted yep. up the wall. Yep. Um, but I found out after I sat down that even that is yeah. is Native. Yeah. So we worked with a. Um Artist Rajesh, so he collected our food waste and he started like painting on the walls. And it's, it's from your food waste. Yeah, yeah. So like uh, he painted like a mouse deer, like a sun kachil, which is native to to Singapore. Um, and it was used, was painted using like uh, leftover coffee grains. And then he just added like turmeric, bloopy flowers, leftover coasters, and he just came up with some. Crazy stuff. Yeah, coasters. Right. Yeah. yeah so your coasters are also, yeah. um, you know, a re, or upcycled, I guess, product. Yeah. You know, it's it's really. I think you have to be here to see it, but this is exactly how you. This is what I, in my mind, this is what a top four, top five bar in the world, top four. Thanks, know, man. Um, because yeah. this is what you you should be setting the example for the rest of us, and, you know, and you are because this is quite amazing and, and um, being. A little bit off the beaten path, I think, for a lot of some of the international travelers yeah, to Singapore. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was fantastic to see this place packed on a Monday. Yeah. So are you finding you know, a lot of um, international travelers outside of the bar industry finding your place? Or is it primarily kind of the, the, the industry folks that are, that are coming in to check it out? I think we, we're getting a lot of people who are traveling through the city coming in. And, you know, like what we mentioned, the new travelers looking for a sense of location, place, you mm -hmm. know, connection with, with where they are. And now uh, we're getting people from all over that, you know, usually uh, don't come this far to Singapore, but they're sure. coming to, to check out the bars. And Do you think the 50 best bars list has helped out to like kind of increase the awareness? I think definitely, but I also think that it's, it's a few things. One, it's that, it's the media. Singapore has become a travel destination naturally. Um, and once you're here, people just jump to like, what you mentioned, two hours later, you're in Thailand. Two hours later, you're in Bali. Two hours later, like it's just a short flight and you're in somewhere entirely different different culture, different food, different people, different language. So that's really exciting for, for travelers now. So they come to Singapore because we are in that little like circuit of, uh, of destinations as well. So it's, it's very, um, I'm very happy to welcome people from all over the world, share what we do and hopefully one day we'll be able to go back and, and visit them as well. Yeah, I mean, I've talked about that in our last episode that, you know, I found the hospitality here unmatched. Yeah. Everybody, you guys work so well together. It's definitely a bar community. You all talk with one another. I heard there's some WeChat groups where you guys It makes plans for like maybe an upcoming Singapore cocktail week. That would yeah. be amazing. Um, but I... <laughs> I want to veer off. I know that you know we don't have much time today, and you've got to go work. <laughs> so, but um, I was told don't leave without addressing because we I, I do on the show. Yeah, um, we are primarily talking about spirits and, and mm -hmm. um, the food and beverage business, but that we very often on the show ignore the food part of it. Mm. But I was told don't leave you yeah. without asking about. Uh, Peranakan food. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. You, I mean, because it was th this was new to me. Yeah, And yep. so, and I had some amazing examples this yep, week. Yeah. Um, and I wouldn't have known what to look for. Yeah. And like, so we're gonna spread the gospel right here. You yeah. can explain what it is. Okay. And so, like, Peranakan food is really interesting. So they're, I guess, they're known more as the, the Straits people as well. So it's like they've been here 
maybe 1500s or maybe even earlier. Um, so early sellers from, from different parts of Asia came and, and obviously uh, uh, got married with the locals. So you have this amazing sense of food that's like unrivaled, like in my opinion, one of my favorite cuisines. So, and they use in ingredients that are very interesting and they are the only culture that, that use it. So they have this nut called a boa kerlewap. So uh, it's, a, it's a black nut that, you know, inside when you crack it, there's a filling and it tastes sort of like a bitter chocolatey mole. Mm -hmm. and they make like a spicy curry out of it and that's like sensational. But I had it and this, yeah. you're exactly right. I yeah. always like, this is mole. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> you know? that's how I try to explain it to, to people who are traveling. But technically the, the nut comes from a fruit and it's poisonous. And they have to ferment it with uh, ash underground for about two weeks. And the ash pulls out all the toxins and the nut, the nut goes from white to like deep black and soft. And then they use it in the spicy curry. It's, it's unrivaled and things like candle nuts and laksa leaves. Uh, it's, um, the food's like sweet, sour, spicy, slightly bitter. It's just like so many sensations on, on, your, on your tongue. And I always recommend people to, to yeah, check it, it out. Yeah, it was very interesting. And, and I didn't have a, a point of reference because uh, usually I, I kind of overly uh, research a place when it comes mm -hmm. to food and cocktail. And here it was easy with cocktails because I, I had, uh, you mm -hmm. know, apparently the unofficial cocktail guide of, of Singapore with Moses. me. Uh, <laughs> I, I went to at least no, no less than 12 different places with him and, and, and we walked in and everybody was like, hey, yeah, yeah, Moses, yeah. you know, it's nice. Yeah, yeah. It's not a bad person to, uh, to, to take you around. And he's the one that led me here. In fact, I was crashing and burning mm -hmm. that night because I'm still very jet lagged. Yeah. And um, he was like, seriously, you have to come out yeah. for one more drink. And I'm like, mm -hmm. I, I just don't know, man. I don't know. He's like, come on, you've got to go to Native. You have to go to Native. Just promise, just one, it's right around the corner. Yeah. And I think we stayed for yeah. like three, maybe more than that. I yeah. did a tasting with you, some, yeah. several gins and some, a lot of your distillates as well. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I, I, I'm just floored. Like I said, I think this is a very good example of that. You know, you should be held up to what we should uh, be aspiring to do. Um, there's a lot of work, I think, in the bar industry to be yeah. able to do that, and, and I'm guilty. You know, <laughs> I, I mean, I create a, a, so much waste. I mean, the amount of waste that you create in a year yeah. is, you know, probably a six-hour shift. Rest, <laughs> I mean, you know, and that's yeah. embarrassing. You know, yeah. so uh, it's definitely inspired me. Yeah. And it, like I said, the R&D lab is insane as well. Like, Makes I mean, sense. as as I look on the shelf, I see yeah. all of these spices. Yep. And and things that that I'd never even heard of. And yep. so, that you you have the opportunity to not only introduce people to your sustainable methods or, or, and your um, kind of native ingredients with like that we immediately would recognize like longan or yeah, but, uh, you know local gins but I mean there's things on the shelf I wouldn't even know like, yeah, yeah. like you just said with the, the Peronican food mm -hmm. I, I didn't have a starting point I had no reference yeah. sometimes that's exciting right when you when you don't have a starting point you just jump in yeah you have to right yeah. and so um, I actually went and had lunch with Ronan today okay, and, yeah. and so he just got way too much food we went to, to uh, the Maxwell Market which, okay. you know yeah. and just kind of hit everything and yeah, it was yeah. just like it was beautiful um, and so Ronan Ronan's awesome man he's a He's yeah. a really good kid, yeah. Yeah, he's 22. Oh, yeah. It's insanity, man. Yeah. I wish I would have had that much to drive when I was 22. I, was, <laughs> I think I was still just like, how much beer can I drink in one day? Yeah. <laughs> you know? if, but, if, you know, there was also no cocktail culture when mm -hmm. I was 22. I mean, that mm -hmm. was... 
21 years ago for me and so there you know we were it was sour mix and vodka and yeah. <laughs> ju you know juices out of a out of a gun you yeah, know yeah. <laughs> or whatever so you know it's it's amazing how things have taken off mm. um, worldwide and the globalization this is where I think it's it's a fantastic thing that we can I can come here from Indianapolis and talk to you about this but um, and that you're representing the core of what you do, hmm. which is how I was led to you. You know, I'm like, what? Who is the essence of what Singaporean cocktails are, mm -mm. and that it's native. Thanks, man. Yeah. So again, man, I want to thank you for your time. Thanks for no coming worries. on the show. Um, you know, I'm definitely going to be reaching back out to you. Um, I've got your contact info, but um, I'm going to be picking your brain on how we can or, um, you know, kind of reduce our our yeah. carbon footprint as well. Because, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I. My brain, I can't wrap my brain around some of your distillations you're going. Yeah. And we have different uh, regulations when it comes to that in the United States. So yeah, that would be, I I've heard. Like, yeah, you've got it right here on display. That mm -hmm. would be a very quick way to get our bar shut down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, um, we've just now, even in Indiana, I mean, well, and I think even nationwide, mm -hmm. the uh, mm -hmm. craft distilling is really just taking off. Mm -hmm. um, and so a lot of it's still pretty poor product and quite expensive. Yeah. We're, and we're in, I, mean, I live in bourbon country, okay. effectively, you know, about. Yeah hour and 30 minute drive okay so nice. you know you can't make bourbon quickly yeah <laughs> yeah know? i'm sure yeah right yeah. yeah yeah i mean we're literally we're right very close to mgp so yeah. there's there's a lot of bourbon made there yeah um but yeah i would love to be able to, to experiment around with that i know some you know some people that have tried and uh with even infusions and gotten in trouble so yeah um Ooh. Okay. So, a uh, couple of questions before we wrap up. One, um, you know, because you are distilling so many things, are there any particular ones that you're incredibly proud of that you just think came out amazingly? And I think for me, I would say like uh, the oyster distillate. Yeah, I really like it. But uh, I do too. Uh, not everybody. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. It's not not everyone's. I, I'm a big fan of oysters. I realized that mm -hmm. not everybody's a big fan like me after I put out that drink on the menu. <laughs> but it's, it's cool yeah. because you really get the, the essence of the oysters and, and the quality and the freshness. And you know, with, with the distillates, if, if the produce is not good, the, the alcohol and the, right. and, and the redistillation amplifies it. Mm -hmm. So if you if you taste something after this land, it's really good. It, you know, it speaks a lot about the the produce that you, that that's coming sure. out as well. Yeah. Yeah, oysters are my like last meal food. If I if I get a choice, yeah. it'll be oysters and a glass of riesling. You know, okay. because there's that. Uh, well, I, I read in a book. You know, the word. I'm not sure if it's official, but the the term merois. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I think that's that's perfect because oysters taste of where they were grown. Yeah. And um, and you're literally distilling that <laughs> to do it like a more intense. Flavor. So, yeah, I think on paper that's a scary drink. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I was um, just over at Junior the other mm -hmm. night, and I mm -hmm. had their uh, pretzel logic. You know, and this got mustard, and it's supposed to be like a, effectively a liquid Bavarian pretzel. Yeah. And that sounds very strange on paper, but when you get the drink, it's it's phenomenal. And yeah. so, you know, I think sometimes people are, uh, just need to be edged up, yeah, a little, little pushed bit, a little bit. Yeah. And I, um, yeah. I, I again, I agree with that. Mm -hmm. So. Before we go, I always ask our guests mm -hmm. if you have any hangover cures. Yep. Okay. And if it involves oyster distillate, <laughs> we're all screwed. <laughs> I think uh, the last two years, you know, after opening the bar, like physically, I've, I'm, it's not easy. So like my hangovers are bad, you know. I'm oh, bad. yeah. So these days, I, 
I make sure to 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 drink, but not to a limit. Like if I hit 75, 80%, I'm out. I, I leave the venue like mm-hmm. immediately, no matter how much fun I'm having. Uh, but I think the thing that really helps is coconut water. Yes, man. Oh my god! I, as, yeah. as I every time I visit Asia, that's the part, part uh, where I get really jealous because coconut water is quite expensive. Yeah, uh, where I'm in, so we have two options: frozen, yep. which is the best flavor, yep, yep. Um, or the canned, which doesn't taste like coconut water whatsoever. At all, right? But yeah, you guys have you know vendors in every market with yeah. fresh coconuts for yeah. you. Coconut water is. Amazing. Another one is probably have miso, miso soup. Yeah. Because miso is like, it's, uh, it's obviously fermented soybeans mm-hmm. and it's got all these healthy enzymes for your gut and, and uh, it's really good for you. And usually for me, like I've got a bit of acidic stomach, so a bit of me too. yogurt, a bit of like basil, drizzle of honey. That really helps as well. So these are the three things that, that help me get back on my. That's a new one. So that goes yeah. into the book that we may write one of these days. Yeah. Like, here's the forty-seven thousand ways of curing your hangover. Semi, semi curing. <laughs> <laughs> um, where can people find you on social media? Yeah, so we're on um, Native Bar SG. So SG for Singapore, and then my personal uh, handle is VJ. So V I J A Y. Uh, M for Monaco, G for Ghana, and P for Panama. So VJMGP. So th- this, this is our Instagram handles, and you can find our updates. And Super. Well, I hope everybody connects with you and checks out a lot of the work that you're doing because I really am uh, excited about what's going on here. And Thanks, I'm going to follow your travels. And, and, and as the moment I get a chance to come back, I'll be back. For sure, brother. We'll, we'll be happy to host you. Thank you so much, brother, for coming on the show. No worries. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.